the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort, a word of challenge, a word of hope, and a word of guidance for our lives. Make our hearts soft and plant your word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Have you ever had one of those moments, uh, those pivotal moments in your life where you knew that after this, everything would be different? Have you ever had one of those experiences where you just knew that it was so profound that nothing was ever going to be the same again? I think most of us, if we really think about it and look back on our lives, we've had some sort of transformational experience that, that has formed us or redirected the trajectory of our life. If you are a parent, maybe it was the birth of your first child. Maybe it, there was a relationship in your life, like when you proposed to your spouse and they actually said yes and you knew your life would be forever different. Or maybe you've moved all the way across the country for, for work or for school or to be near family and everyone and everything you once knew as familiar is now different and unfamiliar. Peter, James, and John had one such moment on the mountaintop that day. They would, uh, an experience that would forever change their lives. Nothing would be the same after they came down from the mountain that day. What about you? For me, it was uh, June of 1998. I had an experience of God's presence that, that I've never forgotten. It stuck with me all these years later. Now, it wasn't on a majestic, beautiful mountaintop in Israel, but, you know, the next best thing, my pivotal experience was in the beautiful, majestic, mosquito-ridden, overly humid, poison ivy-forming uh, southeastern woods of Minnesota. It was the first summer I worked at camp as a camp counselor. And it was at the end of camp, it was a long night, but it was a very, or a long week, a, a difficult week in some ways, but it was a very special week like most weeks are. And this was a huge week. The camp was full with all of these kids. I think we had over 100 campers that week. And at the end of the week, we would gather around the campfire on that last night for worship right before bed. And there was so much joy and beauty around the campfire that night as we prayed and, and sang and read scripture. It was the kind of night where you could look up at the sky and it was perfectly clear and you could see the brilliant stars from horizon to horizon. And we were singing this song. It went like this. Father, I adore you and I lay my life before you. How I love 
as we sang, I started to hear these harmonies coming up from the kids singing that, that were more beautiful and intricate than had any business coming out of that group of people. And, I, and it just seemed like angels were joining us in song or the Holy Spirit was doing something. And I felt this overwhelming sense of God's presence, this sense of awe and holiness. But just as quickly, I started to feel this nagging sense of doubt hit me right in the gut, saying, what if, what if this is just your imagination, Josh? What, what, if, what if God's not real and this is all just us and there's nothing else? But then in that moment, like Abraham in the book of Genesis, I felt this voice saying, look up at the heavens. And so as I glanced up at that night sky, I saw just when I looked up, the biggest, brightest shooting star I'd ever seen go all the way across the sky. And it was like God was saying, remember this moment. Believe. Don't forget. And I still hold on to that moment all these years later. God had given me just this tiny glimpse of heaven. But from that moment on, Jesus had a hold of my heart. What was your moment? Maybe you've been on a mission trip at some point in your life, or, or maybe a retreat, or maybe you uh, were able to go to the ELCA National Youth Gathering and had a profound experience or a week at Camp Tomashinga. Maybe it was just the holiness of time spent in prayer with people from your small group or, or friends around the fire in the backyard. As we think about our experiences of God, today we explore one of the biggest moments in the life of Peter, James, and John. And so I want to dive into this story of transfiguration just a bit. Uh, to begin, I, I kind of wonder if Peter, James, and John had any idea what was coming when they went up the mountain that morning. <laughs> Jesus uh, invites just these three with him, which I want to wonder about for a second. Why just these three? Why not all 12 disciples? Well, one of the aspects that we see throughout the Gospels as you look closely at the model of discipleship Jesus lays out for us is that he has the 12 disciples and they do life together. He invests a great deal of time and teaching in this group of 12. But then there are these small moments, these special moments where he invites away just the three, Peter, James, and John. You see it multiple times in the Gospel. It's like he knew they were going to be key leaders, so he spends this extra time with them. And we see that in the story today. We could also wonder, why climb all the way up a mountain? Was it because they were really looking forward to getting some good exercise that day? They wanted to get all their steps in? Maybe those things, but mostly I think it's because, biblically speaking, holy stuff happens on the top of a mountain. If you look in the, the Bible, you see stories like Moses receiving the Ten Commandments, where up on the top of the mountain. And in the story of Elijah, when he is fleeing for his life from King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, he climbs high up this mountain to hide in a cave, and it's there in his desperation that God shows up and speaks to him and encourages him and gives him strength to go on. And so Jesus knows this, and he takes them up the mountain. And as we look at the story, uh, this week I was looking at this, and does anyone else wonder how this all went down, like the sequence of events, the order of things? I have some questions. Like, like were Moses and Elijah already hanging out on top of the mountain, just sitting there relaxing? They crested the hill, and they're like, what's up, Jesus? <laughs> or did they appear like magically, poof, out of nowhere? And this glowing business that Jesus was doing, was it sort of a gradual thing as they got higher up the mountain, like altitude, or was it more of a light switch situation? We don't really know. 
And of course, it doesn't really matter. The point is that it was miraculous. The true things of heaven were revealed and made visible to these ordinary people, to Peter, James, and John. But here's where I think their story can be really helpful for us as we look at how they reacted when they saw all this. You see, when we have a profound encounter with God's presence, we might react in different ways, right? And so there's a few things we notice. There's the rush to action reaction, right? Peter wanted to do something. He wanted to get in there and use his hands and be active. And then there's the say dumb things reaction. Peter nails both of these, doesn't he? Right? He charges in. He opens his mouth. He wants to do something. And then in James and John, though, we see a different reaction, more of the shocked to silence reaction. And as I look at this story, I have to, I have to assume that when Peter just started doing his thing, James and John were like, Peter, get back here. Shh, quiet. Don't interrupt them. You're going to blow it. Oh, this guy. But he does it anyway. And then what we see next is the terrified reaction. Right? We see this clearly when they're overshadowed by this cloud, and it doesn't sound like this was just a gentle light fog rolling in, but it was something that was clearly intense and overwhelming and supernatural, so much so that they fall down on their faces and they're terrified, and then they hear the voice of God speak, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. You see, transfiguration involves an element that is scary, Transformation doesn't happen without at least some discomfort. And there's no doubt that this experience transformed them. It changes everything. And as we look at the story and think about what it means for our lives, I think it's important to lift up that I think this story often gets kind of mislabeled. If you look at a heading in the Bible or something, it's often called the transfiguration of who? Jesus, right? Uh, but who was actually changed that day? Was it Jesus? I don't think so. He, he was simply seen in the fullness of who he always was, seen in his full glory. The people that were really changed that day were Peter, James, and John. They were transfigured in their hearts. They were transformed. I mean, imagine how this changed their lives forever. Think about it. Imagine how this strengthened their faith. This experience, this moment gave them something to hold on to for years down the road when they would encounter times of doubt or struggle or persecution, they could hold on to this. They, they had this uh, deeper knowledge and closer relationship with Jesus after this. I mean, imagine how that strengthened how, what they knew about him and how they understood him. Their relationship to one another was certainly strengthened through this experience. Imagine the bond you would have with someone after this. And I love at the end of the story here how Jesus tells them not to tell anyone, at least for a while. And I can imagine them thinking, are you serious, Jesus? We're supposed to keep this a secret? And I, I just have to believe that Peter must have said something like, are you kidding me, Jesus? If you're the Lord and you know everything, you know I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and so we assume that maybe they didn't tell anyone for a while, but I guarantee they talked with each other about this, right? remembering the story among the three of them, strengthening their connection to one another. And finally, I imagine they must have had a much clearer sense of call after this, that call that God had placed on them because Jesus brought them to this experience for a reason, for a purpose. And friends, here's the great news. Jesus is still transforming lives today. The transfiguration story continues today. And it might not happen through a miraculous encounter with Moses and Elijah on a mountaintop, 
the more often I think Jesus transfigures the world through you, through you and me, through the body of Christ here in this world today. And, and, and as we think about this, if we want our eyes to be opened, if we want to experience this transfiguration power in our world today, there are a few helpful tips I think we can draw from this story. Three things. First is remember. Talk about your holy experiences. Share your story of what God has done. I mean, Jesus, yes, he told Peter, James, and John to keep quiet about this, but he didn't tell you that. I think sometimes as Lutherans, we're a little shy about it. Tell the story of how God's at work in your life, because not only does that telling of the story help you to remember yourself, but it it shares that with others and helps others to see how they might experience God. So the first thing is remember. The second is opportunity. Opportunity. Allow God to put you in a position to receive what God has for you. That means saying yes to some things. That sometimes means taking a risk, going out on a limb. I think about our Dig Deeper retreat we had last weekend, and as I listened to people and connected with people, I realized uh, that some of the folks that went on that retreat have insane schedules in their lives between family and activities and work and travel for work. They had a million reasons to say no, but they said yes and had this holy experience. So allow God to put you in a position to receive what God has. I mean, imagine if that morning James had said to Jesus, you know, Jesus, that sounds good, but I'm kind of tired. Why don't you take Bartholomew instead? (laughs) I mean, he would have missed it. So remember opportunity and finally the small things. Don't miss the small things. Today we talk about that big mountaintop experience, but it's in these little mini transfigurations, the small things that God works every day around us. Notice those things, those holy moments. That's what sustains us between the mountaintops. So we have to see those, to cherish those. Don't discount them so that you may know the fullness of God in your life, so that you may experience the overwhelming, sometimes terrifying, exhilarating transformation of of your heart by the God who calls you to walk up that mountain too. May you see Jesus and forever be changed. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give thanks for the ways that you reveal yourself to us, that you open our eyes and our hearts to experience your presence in our lives. But God, you know that sometimes it is hard to see. Sometimes between our distractions or our pain or our struggles, we find it hard to see you. So God, I just pray that that moving out from this place today that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, help us to notice that you are with us in those times when it's easy to see and in those times especially when it's hard to see. God, reveal yourself to us. Lead us on your path that we might bear your light, your love, and your mercy with the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.